I wanted to share uh, with you this morning, uh, this afternoon actually, um, on, this is the third message on the Christian worker. And I would like to encourage us all to be better at what, at living our Christianity. Uh, I would like for us to be better at that. And uh, that does not mean that uh, you are deplorable or anything like that. I'm not hinting that or suggesting that, but I am saying that I want to be the best I can for the Lord. Uh, sometimes I may say things that seems as though I, I just want to be better than you. That's not really my intent. It is on one hand, but on the other, it's not. Let me give you my attitude before I start to preach so you'll know where I'm coming from. I don't want to do anything halfway. Uh, I, I don't want that. So if, if we were put into an arena to where we are to show our love for Jesus, I want to be first place. I mean, if we're running a race, uh, okay, the person who comes to the tape first loves Jesus the most. I'm going to practice and practice until I can outrun, hopefully, all of you. That's the way I am. If it were a swimming contest to showing my love and devotion to Jesus, I'm going to get in that pool. I'll be in there day and night, day and night, because I want to be the best for that. But that does not hinder you from having the same attitude. And so I would like for you to have that same attitude. When we talk about the Christian worker, I am motivated to be a better Christian worker. That is, a person who loves Jesus enough to obey whatever he says. Now, if that is you, you know, just say amen. amen. If, the, if you wish that were you, say amen. Amen. A amen. So let's look at the Christian worker part three, giving all, giving everything you've got, everything that's in you. Um, I've told you the story uh, before that I, I saw a, a, a football game, excuse me, saw a football game once many, year, many years ago. There was a, a quarterback named Dan Fouts, and he had a, a tight end named Kellen Winslow. They were in a playoff game, and I think it was the game before the big game, and they were playing a team, and Dan Fouts had uh, one goal, it seemed, was to win that game, and he kept throwing it to his best player, his best receiver. He kept throwing it, and he worked that guy. It's, it's one thing to stand behind the, the, the offensive line and be protected and throw a ball, and it's another thing to be running around linebackers and people trying to knock you down. Uh, and catching balls when, and when, the moment you catch it, that linebacker running about 4.6 uh, uh, seconds and 40 uh, yards can pop you weighing a 250, 60 pounds. It's another thing catching the ball. And so what happened in this story, it was actually a reality. What happened in that story was that at the end of the game, I think they lost the game. I, I think they did, but, but what I remember was Kellen Winslow had left it all on the field. And I, even though I was watching a football game, I thought, that's how I want to live the Christian life. I want to leave it all on the field. And I think that this is a perfect context that the Scripture gives us uh, for our Christian conduct. I think the standard has been lowered so that people think just going to church is the Christian standard. But I say it is not. And I don't want to read uh, to you. Uh, I'm going to start since 
I have 26 verses, and I've only gotten in three messages. This is the third message. I've only gotten to two of them, I think, three. But, but let, me, let me start again and just share some things with you what Paul is saying to Timothy, and I'm going to read it and not elaborate as I've done before. He says in verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's, he's commanding him. And then he says, Excuse me, just a moment. And the things that you have heard from me, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he says, you therefore, now based on what he has said, he, said, he says now, you, therefore, as a result of what I've said, must endure hardship as a good soldier. So what, what he's doing, he's using these illustrations of being a good soldier, a disciplined athlete, and a hardworking farmer so that Timothy would get the picture. And thus, we must get the picture if we see, look at these illustrations the way Paul meant them to be, be given. He says, you, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's saying that in order to be the kind of believer, Christian, that God wants us to be, Jesus wants us to be, you're going to have to go through something. We want a trouble-free Christian life. I've wanted the same. I, I wanted the fact that I've come to Jesus now, Jesus is driving all the, the wild bees, the wasps, the hornets, the wolves, everything away. And I'm just sitting in my little sleigh, just going down the hill. That's what I wanted. You know, I, I, I imagine many of you, if you thought about it, you wanted an easy life too. You thought that Jesus said, hey, come to me and, and dine rather than come and die. That's how we have comported ourselves for the most part. But this is what he says. You must endure. You must. M-U-S-T. You must. You're going to have to go through something to be a Christian. And sometimes it's not just out there in the world. It's right when we come to the church or when we are with other uh, believers. We have to go through something. Now he says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Just like a good soldier endures hardship. Now, this is what a good soldier does not do. When a good soldier is waging warfare, they're not complaining about the climatic conditions. Well, we've got to fight the war out here in all this rain. Well, the, it's too cold. I don't know why they, they declare war. Don't they know it's cold? No, no, no. You have to endure. You have to endure something. So going through something is wonderful. My dad and mom always said, anything worth having is is." Anything must having is worth working for. I think that's how they said it. Okay, yeah, that's how they said it. So if, if I wanted it, I had to work for it. And then he said, and if you want it, you have to go through something. If it's worth having, it's worth your effort. And so, so I learned as a little boy that if I wanted something, I might have to go through it. And as a little kid growing up in the country in those days, we didn't have city jobs where, you know, some of you worked in the laundry. Some of you worked in the cafeteria, in the restaurant. 
you had air conditioning or at least a nice fan. But we worked out there where we had the sun shining down. We had rain sometimes. The, the climatic conditions were bad. They weren't always favorable. And if you and I are going to walk this life like Jesus wants it and wants us to do, it will not always we will not rather always have favorable conditions. So he says, you must learn how to endure hardness as a good soldier. And, uh, and then Paul tells Timothy in, later on in this epistle in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 5, but you must be watchful in all things. So he's telling us to be alert as we live the Christian life. And he says, endure afflictions. He's speaking that into to Timothy. Do the work of, evan of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, if we go back to second, the second chapter, verse 4, he says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who list, enlisted him as a soldier. And so you were brought into this, this by Jesus Christ, and he says, Your one obligation is to please Jesus Christ. Now, it, you, you don't determine when you're pleasing him. He determines when you're pleasing him. So you can't say, well, I know I please the Lord. Did he tell you that? So let's please the one who loved us enough to die for us. But, and while we were yet or still sinners, he died for us. While we were rebellious, hateful, and hating one another, he died for us. Now, I don't know how you, you, you handle that or how you walk through that. I asked God questions like a friend of mine asked once uh, during a, after a marriage seminar. He said, I'm going to go home and ask my wife how I'm doing. Because the, the, the lecturer said, go home and ask your wife. If you really want to know how you're doing, go home and ask her. And so I said to him, oh, boy, I don't know if we ought to do that. He said, well, I'm going to go home and ask. I said, are you crazy? You know, we were, we were going back and forth. But he did ask. And she told him exactly how. He was doing. And he changed. Wow. It was tearful getting through it, but he got through it. Now, if we want to know how we're doing, if we're really pleasing the Lord, let's ask him. He will be gentle, but he will tell you the truth. Now, listen what happens. Do not entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. That is, don't have interests in the things that are going on in this world more than the interest you have in pleasing the Lord. There are good things you should do. You should be a good citizen. But your citizenship in the world is not more important than your citizenship in heaven. And you should not be so involved in your citizenship here that you make up scriptures. You shouldn't do that. Walk it out the way Jesus wants it. And that's what this world, this time period in which we are living, is crying out. What is it crying out for? That the sons of God might be revealed. He says even the creation itself, we don't hear the creation, but we see it. You say, you know, secular people have a way of explaining things away. I do realize that, that we, are doing, uh, we pollute a lot. I realize that. You look at the oceans, I understand that there are pla there's plastic islands in the ocean that's the size of France. Yeah. You know, I know we, we throw things out. I, people throw trash out of their cars and, and don't pick up 
after themselves. Yes, I do know that there are things that we need to be concerned about. But the greatest pollutant on this planet is sin. We need to understand that. Therefore, we must set ourselves apart from it. It is all sin, your sin and the other person's sin. L let me continue. Paul instructs us how to live the Christian life. And as Dr. Benevo said so well, the Christian life is livable. It is livable with God's help. So let's look at the rules of engagement concerning even an athlete. Now, the soldier, uh, let me just go visit, revisit that very quickly. The soldier must be obedient. He must have undying obedience to his commanding officer. Unquestioned. I, I, I obey without questioning, as it were. Because when we were kids, uh, graduated from university, many of us, I happened to go into the military at that time. Was, I was drafted, so I volunteered and went into the military. And during my company, we had about 250 guys in my, uh, my company. And I would say 200 probably and 30 of them were university trained. And we, they, we overheard the, our drill sergeants talking one day, and they were complaining about these boys who were from college, these college boys. He said, they're, the, they're harder than those other boys we had. Those boys right out of the high school, they were easy, but these boys want to question everything. And we were. We wanted to know, well, why, Sergeant, are we doing, be quiet, boy, and give me 100 push-ups, those kinds of things. And what they did was they, they made us better soldiers because we stopped, we stopped questioning every order. Because you can't have soldiers who only will obey if it agrees with them or, or, or they understand the orders better. No. With God, we're to obey when he says. He says, he says do this. We say, yes, Lord. And we do that. And then maybe later he will tell us why. But God doesn't say, okay, I want you to do this. But Lord, would you explain it to me so that I can do it well? No. She says, I want you to be a good soldier. My, my, we were trained to say, yes, sergeant. Yes, sir. No, sir. I'll find out, sir. Yes. We, we only could live our lives like that. So Paul says, if you really want to please the Lord, you got to be like that soldier. You, you, you do what you're told, and then you find out why. Maybe. Then he tells us about the athlete, and we're, we're living in a time now when so athletes are just so amazing. I was thinking about this uh, earlier service, how one athlete was, uh, actually his name is Stephen Curry. He was making, taking warm-up shots before a game one night, and he was standing on the, uh, near the out-of-bounds uh, line and on the side of the goal, and he made over 100 shots in a row and didn't miss one. Do you, how do you think they, he got that good? Oh, he's just talented. Yes, he has a lot of perspiration behind that talent. There's a lot of hard work there. And so he disciplined himself. He got into physical condition. He practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced until he got it right. I was uh, watching briefly, not really, just kind of walking in a room here and there. Uh, last evening, when two well-disciplined, well-coached teams were playing, North Carolina and Duke University were playing against each other. And I just saw it just for a few minutes because I wanted to concentrate on today and I'm sharing the message today. But every time I walked in, the score, whatever it was, it, it was uh, 12 to 11. 
And then later it would be 18 to 16. And then it would flip maybe 25 to 22. I said, this is going to be some game. Now, how was it that those two teams played so closely together? Because they were well-disciplined. So, so when you see something like that, don't just think, boy, this is a great game. You can think that. But think also, I need to live my Christian life in such an exemplary fashion. That's how God wants us to do. That's how, thank you. That's how I try to live my life. I try to live that way. And, and so later I, I did something else. I went back through the, where they, they were, the game was on uh, in my home. And it looks like maybe one of us was watching it. And so uh, I noticed again, it, it was like, uh, like 47, 45 or whatever. I thought, this is unbelievable. And, and because those athletes are disciplined athletes. Not only that, but they had to play according to the rules. If they didn't play according to the rules, they could get a technical foul kicked out of the game. So you and I must also engage according to the rules. You and I don't have the, the luxury, as it were, to make up the rules of the Christian life. God has already uh, not just described them to us, but prescribed them for us. Paul tells us in verse 5, and if anyone completes, competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So you and I must, Follow the rules. We, we, the Paul to, tells us, and in my first message on this subject, he told us that everything that we do, we have to do it with love. So you can correct people, but you have to do that with love. You don't have to be all mushy-mushy all the time, but you have to be strong with love. And so here, he, he, speaks, he, he, he talks about the athlete. Let me read uh, something from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, and it will give you an understanding of, of, how, of what he means when he says that if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. And so what he's saying is you can't just be an extremist. You're temperate in all things. You, 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 you do things in moderation. You, 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 even your diet is different when you really want to be that best athlete. I've seen guys who will do things to be a great athlete that they would never do for any other reason. And then he tells you, that everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. So that means that you will have a well-disciplined life if you are really serious about Jesus. You won't have too much television. You won't just eat yourself to death. As, as, as my wife often has said, she's always saying this, you know, your body houses your ministry, you know. So that means I'm going to take care of my body also. I can't say I love the Lord when I'm destroying the vessel from where I live and work. Now look here. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So he compares the athlete to the Christian. He says, now they are doing it. They are very disciplined. They work hard, spend their whole life 
working hard, working hard, working hard. And when they get a little older, maybe about 18 or 20, 22 years old or so, they're really, really good at it. I, I saw some young ladies who were freshmen in college running in the Olympics, and boy, were they good at it. They were good at it. They were strong. Our sister Deborah has a, a granddaughter who is an Olympic-class swimmer, I mean diver, a, an Olympic-class diver, a young teenager has spent her life doing very well. Have you done that? Have you done that for Jesus? Have I done that for Jesus? That's what we're supposed to do. And the, the times are crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. So Paul says in verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. So then we should wake up with, a, with definite goals in mind. I want to be the best Christian I can be today. I want to be the best Christian I can be today. I don't want to be an also-ran. You know what that means? You're just in the middle of the pack. I don't want to be in the middle of the pack. If, if you've got a 1,000 Christians, and uh, I don't want to be number 500. I don't want to be 800. I don't want, I, no, I want to be number one. And if I can't be one, I want to be able to grab number one with my hand. Oh, you're still with me. What am I saying? Oh, you say, you're just competitive. No, I'm talking about loving Jesus enough to do whatever he wants us to do and to do what he says, not just when people are watching me. Because integrity is not who you are when people are watching you. Integrity is who you are and what you are when nobody's watching. You know, I, I can't tell you a personal story very quickly. Uh, okay, I will tell you. <laughs> I, I remember one time, you know, let's just say it was, you know, whether it's accurate or not, let's just give it a year. Let's say it was the first year I was married. Um, and, and I maybe we had a little dialogue or something there at the house. And uh, it was a little, little, little heated, I dialogue. And somebody said to the other, uh, the gentleman in the, in the little conversation, I wonder what people would say if they saw this on the 6 o'clock news. Ooh. Wow. So, oh, it was no profanity. It was no profanity. It was no, no I'm going to kill you. But, but the tone. Yeah. Yeah, there was no cussing. How much more if it was cussing? No, just strong language, just strong language. You know, you know. Come on. What about your conduct? Is your conduct acceptable if it were suddenly flashed on the 6 o'clock news? That's why Paul says, I'm, I'm not doing this, living this life with uncertainty. He says, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Wow. Wow. So Paul suggests that the issue is not whether one is qualified to compete, but those, among those who are competing, who will win the crown? Every athletic event has these things. And you and I, you and I must not strive with words that do not profit. Paul says, uh, this is, um, let me, he says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, 
we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Wow, what an amazing, what an amazing portion of scripture. What is God saying to us? If we endure, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Or if we are apostate, wow. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful. When you are faithless, it doesn't mean that you're going to be thrown away by God. When you are faithless, he, he remains faithful. Then in verse 15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So be a, a diligent worker. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. He says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him, by him, in peace without spot, and be blameless. Wow. Now let's go to verse 16. Verse 16 says, but shun, pro, shun or avoid, profane and idle babblings, for they will increase the more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. And so these men, he said, are, the, are not the kind of people you want to emulate who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. This is what he's saying. He's saying, you may be faithless right now, but God still knows you are his. So have you ever had a moment or maybe a day or a period where you were faithless? I have. I have times when I go, God, I don't know. This one looks bad. And I, and I doubt it. You say, well, you doubt it? Yes. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four, maybe right before we went to Ghana, the Tuesday night, we, we didn't have enough resources, financial resources to go to, on that mission trip. I was feeling bad. And that Tuesday night, I said, oh, God, I don't know what I've done to say that you wanted us to go. There is no money, and there are a few days left. And it all came that Wednesday night. And I said, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for fretting. Forgive me for having a momentary lapse to where I'm thinking I've messed up this time. But I had not messed up until I said I, I've messed up. Are you with me? He was still my God. I was still his child, even though I had a moment of fretting. And losing faith. What he says is, when you are faithless, he remains faithful. In, in the Numbers chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, 4 and 5. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one 
whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. And sometimes when God did, he made a difference between Korah and his wicked company. He made a difference between them and the other Israelites. And he says, I'm going to bring those who are mine up close. So the, even when you have moments when you don't feel so strong, you don't feel like you can make it and you're going to make it, God saying, I've got you. And I'm going to bring you to myself. So don't let moments of fretting cause you to feel that you're disqualified. No, the Christian worker has, is God's responsibility. And God is going to bring us to the throne. He's going to bring us to his presence. Paul gives an illustration of God, of God bringing some of us. Uh, we are like a person who has just run out of a, of a burning building. And, and all of our clothes are gone. And you're running out. You got out of that building, but you didn't have a stitch on. He gives an example of that. And there were some of us will be saved. Why then are we saved like that? Because we still belong to him. That's what God wants you to know. But it's not, it should not be your desire. Okay, at least I got, I'm going to get saved. No. That's a wicked servant. Listen to what he says in verse 20. But in a great house, this is what I captioned this. He said, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. See, in a great house, they're just not just the superheroes. They're not the guys who can just make 100-plus baskets without missing one. They're not the guy who can throw the football and, and every time it's dropped, it's the receiver's fault. They're not those, all, all those guys. He says, but there are some of us, we are vessels of, of wood, of clay, some honor, some dishonor. This is what he says. But verse 21, he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter or from dishonor, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So cleanse yourself from the dishonor. Cleanse yourself from that. I will not be a dishonorable vessel, but in a great house, there are all kinds of vessels. And this is what he says. Flee youthful lusts, but this is what you're to do. Run. Run. Pastor Stan said one time, he said, there are some sins or some things you can stand in faith against. You just, God tells you, stand in faith. You know, if you need something, God, stand in faith. But this lust thing, he says, flee. And this is what he says. You need to just get out and run. Listen to what he says. But pursue righteousness. Flee useful lust. Lust, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they generate strife. Verse 24, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle also. How should I comport myself? I must not quarrel. I must not get in these Facebook debates. And, and I must not say things that I should not say. Because some of God's servants just haven't gotten there yet. He's bringing them. You may be fighting against your brother, your weak brother, your weak sister. They just don't have the understanding that you have. But now you've just decimated them. You've destroyed 
somebody for whom Christ died. So he says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. You have some brothers, some sisters who have been taken captive by the enemy. They've been taken captive. If a soldier gets captured, that's not a bad soldier necessarily. Each one of us in this room and even online, at some point in our Christian walk, the enemy has snagged us. You may say, never with me. Yeah, he just did then. He snagged us. There's not a person here who can say, I am without sin. I've never sinned. There's nobody. There was only one of them that ever lived. And he is our Lord and our Savior. Every one of us has sinned. You say, well, I haven't sinned since I came to Jesus. That was a sin you just committed then. We've all. But this is what the scripture says so clearly. We, we have to be gentle with people. That God would grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses, not natural senses, but the sense of what God wants and escape the snare of the devil because they've been taken captive of him. Father, I ask you to bless your people, the sheep of your pasture. I pray that every Christian worker would grasp the truth of God, would never ever be vicious and harsh, but would be loving and kind. And everything that he or she does they would do it with love. In Jesus' name, amen.